what up, what up? Welcome to episode three of the Sprinkly Sports Podcast. I am one half of your hosting duo, Tank, and joining me just like he does every week is the big homie Sprinkle. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Tank. Another day, another Thursday, a good Thursday night football match coming on tonight. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. NBA Finals starting to wind down, football getting into the swing, you know, great to be a sports fan. Yeah, absolutely. This is a weird time we're in, but uh, it's a great time for sports. Everything's playing, everything's on, even stuff I didn't think I'd be super into. I'm just eating it all up. So there's a lot to talk about today. Yes, sir. Let's jump right into some NBA. Uh, Since we last talked, I believe we've had two games, maybe three. Game two, you know, that's not necessarily worth just too much discussion. Uh, We're a little past that. The Lakers... They did what they did. So let's talk about game three, the Jimmy game. Jimmy had a 40-point triple-double, all-time great game by Jimmy. Uh, What did you notice there that that got the heat to win? Um, Well, I noticed Jimmy kind of, uh, like we kind of mentioned last week, he took over more of that playmaking role, decided he would definitely – need to pass more, which he did with double-digit assists. Uh, One thing that was real interesting was seeing how uh, having a spacing big man really helped Jimmy um, do a lot of that mid-range post-up, that little mid-range tough jumper. He was hitting it first what seemed like everybody. Um, LeBron couldn't stop it. Kuzma couldn't stop it. Um, Obviously, they made changes going into game four. But, yeah, when they had uh, LeBron and Kuzma on him, he would just put him on his back, two back-down dribbles, and he would do that, like, over the right shoulder fadeaway or over the left shoulder little pull-up. It was it was a nice game from the mid-range for Jimmy, for sure. Yeah, I think you hit on two of the key points. Uh, definitely not that having Bam out of the lineup was better for the Heat, but it might have been better for Jimmy just because, like you said, you had Kelly Olenek, you know, mostly, you know, some Myers, Myers Leonard, they're able to space the floor and give Jimmy that room to operate that Bam is normally taking up in the paint. And then also the playmaking, like you said, without having Goran Dragic in there, somebody had to step up. Uh, Tyler Hero's a rookie. Kendrick Nunn, rookie. So having 13 assists and being able to be the one to facilitate the offense and be the floor general, that really made up for the loss of Dragic in that game. Yeah, another thing, obviously, was a great Jimmy game. But what we do need to talk about is some of those early fouls on AD and how they kind of uh, held him back and held him in check. I mean, he still played 33 minutes, but they weren't the crucial first half minutes where Jimmy was really starting to get it going. Right. It seemed like the answer for who was going to guard AD, the answer was the bench. The bench was going to guard AD because – if you're able to get him into foul trouble and get him out of the game, nobody has to guard him. He's, he's sitting his, his butt on the bench. Yeah, I think – and I believe it was highlighted during that game in game three. Uh, it was also uh, J.R. Smith's, like, 10th through, like, 15 minutes in the whole playoffs in his first minutes of the finals. I mean, when you, one of your players get hurt or gets uh, in, in um, foul trouble early, they uh, started relying deeper and deeper on their bench. And uh, J.R. Smith did play five minutes that game, so it was uh, – Interesting to see one of old Le- LeBron's old teammates in Cleveland uh, actually on the court with him here in L.A., so that was that was always a nice uh, sight to see. Yeah, low-key J.R. Smith stat. He's 
actually fourth, I believe, in all-time finals three-pointers made. Yeah, I really didn't really think about that. I saw that stat, too, as um, players were moving up and down it, including uh, Rajon and LeBron with the assist stuff. So I was looking into the threes, and seeing something like that was real crazy. Uh, it doesn't feel like it, but when you go seven once with the Warriors and go a couple other times with LeBron, I mean, if you're just standing in the corner hitting threes for three straight finals, they stack up real fast. Yeah, exactly. I, I could easily see someone like KCP being up there on that list, depending on how long he plays with LeBron and how well LeBron and AD play in LA. Yeah, I uh, I was really surprised too. Um, that w- game three, we kind of saw less of a performance from Rajon Rondo as well. I mean, you would think he'd have an easier uh, defensive matchup with Dragic being out. Um, he didn't facilitate as much. Not having AD to throw lobs to makes a difference, but uh. He only had five assists, which was second to LeBron's eight. So the ball was moving, but not as much as you'd like to see, not enough people scoring off their passes. And as a result, uh, the Lakers did drop game three. Yeah, the Heat were able to take that game three. They made it seem like it could be a series. But then we get to game four, and what did you see there? The Lakers were able to come away with a win, uh, give themselves that. 3-1 lead that no one has lost in the finals besides the Warriors to LeBron, obviously. So how did the Lakers take back control of the series there? Um, Well, one major uh, change we saw was uh, the Heat going away from their zone a little bit more, um, really trying to keep those guys out of the paint. Um, Didn't make too big of a difference, though. I know uh, LeBron kind of had a a LeBron-esque game. It wasn't really a great game for him, but 28, 8, and 12, like I said. Like, if LeBron plays over almost 40 minutes, if he's not coming around averaging 30, 10, and 10, uh, we'd be a little surprised. Um, The the Lakers also did try zone for a possession or two. The first time it was noted and highlighted by the announcers resulted in a Tyler Hero Wide open three. It looked like nobody even knew who to run out at them. So they got out of that real quick. Um, the addition of Bam, it really brought the court size down and the speed of the game back down a little bit instead of having uh, Kelly Olenek get, an off- get a defensive rebound and then trying to go coast to coast. We saw a lot of uh, rebounds, get the ball to Jimmy, let's get in our set offense. Um, and that slowed down the pace. I think this was the first game that uh, either team even scored under 100 Yeah, I think the Heat, they got out of that zone. They did a pretty good job of containing the Lakers. Uh, Even in game three, they did, it felt like. And offensively this game, they looked good. They just weren't getting the shots to fall. Uh, You know, Jay Crowder went two for seven from three. That's not going to cut it. Kendrick Nunn, two for six. You know, you know, uh, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, they shot okay from the floor, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, another near uh, triple-double from Jimmy, even though Bam was back, like we had already said, uh, Drogic was out. So the next quote-unquote quote truest guy to a point guard on that team would be um, Andre Iguodala. So if it's between – Andre Iguodala and Jimmy Butler being your facilitator, obviously you got to go with Jimmy. Um, he had almost a triple-double, nine assists, 10 boards, 22 points. Um, yeah, when your teammates are just missing those uh, threes that you're creating for them, um, 
there's a couple where you're like, if Jay Crowder hits this, it's going to be real interesting right now. And then just off the side of the rim and coming back the other way, AD sprint down the court, finishing uh, easy buckets. Um, that's not a good situation to be in from an offense to defensive standpoint as a coach, for sure. Yeah, and then the other key thing that the Lakers do is they have their three-point shooters running corner to corner on those breaks. And so you see guys like KCP, Danny Green, Caruso, Markeith Morris. When they see, you know, maybe AD grabs that rebound or Dwight grabs that rebound and they get it to LeBron, they know if they're in the corner, LeBron's going to get it to them and they're going to have a shot or they're going to have AD rim running, Braun rim running. And so they're just creating easy buckets for themselves in the half, or excuse me, in transition. I had uh, heard something and seen something similar that was kind of funny. It was uh, Dwight Howard started the game, played the first eight minutes, and then didn't see the court again. It was like, oh, this is a real game, Dwight. You got to do the jump ball. That was cool. Thanks for your contributions. Enjoy the show. And they basically went a uh, quote unquote small ball the rest of the game, playing uh, primarily Davis at the center and uh, LeBron at three, four, four, five. So uh, it's interesting. I uh, see no real big man use as we're changing to that type of a uh, basketball game. It's uh, cool because uh, they go and put LeBron out there. He's roughly the same size as Bam. So I heard it termed, uh, it's not small ball. It's not big ball. It's, uh, just, it's just ball. They're just out there playing ball with their five best guys and seeing what happens. Obviously, they came out with a close win over the Heat. Yeah, I've also heard it called skill ball. That's probably my favorite. Uh, representation of it because you're going a lot of times you want to go with your best five guys and <clears throat> height is just about the one skill you can't teach yeah. and it sure does matter in basketball absolutely uh lebron being just as big as the other team's biggest player that they want to play i'm not saying they don't want to play myers or kelly olenek but uh they weren't playing nearly as much when um bam's healthy which we saw again myers leonard was just Pushed right back out the rotation. Kelly Olenek got his minutes dropped from low 30s to 12. So, you know, he's going back to playing two or three spot minutes for when uh, Bam needs a breather and obviously missing a few games. Um, some people don't take into consideration not hooping for even a few days. The cardio comes down a bit. These are pro athletes, and he is under his uh, prime age, being only in his third year. But he didn't play as much as he had in the first two games, still having to deal with that foot injury. And, uh, yeah, it was noticeable seeing them back out there, seeing what they were able to do. But as we saw in the end, it made a difference, but it didn't make a huge difference. Yeah, I I think it, you know, it clogged up the space a little bit. Bam was able to finish with 15 and 7, but I think he had 13 and 6 in the first half. And so you're right, I think that conditioning, uh, maybe, you know, maybe he got shot up before the game in his shoulder and it was starting to wear off, but it was pretty clear to me that the production from Bam, he tried to come out the gate strong. And then as the game went out, went on, he kind of fell off. Yeah. I mean, especially early to those first, first crucial minutes of the game to see if he's going to be able to go or not. He gets to go against a older, less fleet of foot, uh, Dwight Howard. And then um, the second half you switch to being primarily defended by LeBron um, that'll, that'll do it because, uh, AD spent most of the game on Jimmy was a unique change that you wouldn't expect to see. But when you're, you know, an elite, big, an elite defender, you step up and you take those challenges. You don't run away from them. <laughs> yeah. That was something else I wanted to talk about. 
was AD guarding Jimmy. And I think that was probably the biggest adjustment from Frank Vogel that they were able to contain Jimmy more in game four compared to game three. Um, I believe every single shot attempt that Jimmy Butler took in the second half was contested by either Anthony Davis or Jimmy Butler. And, you know, I think Jimmy, he's starting to bite his words in this sense in that he, he kind of called Giannis out or, you know, it was theoretically kind of called out in Giannis. Should he guard Jimmy when the Heat played the Bucks? And now he's getting that, that treatment from Anthony Davis. Yeah, no, and people were using the argument for Giannis. Well, he is 6'11". You wouldn't tell your center to go out there and guard him just because he is the defensive player of the year. Well, when you look at those types of guys, especially a Giannis, like he might be 6'10", 6'11", and he's what we call a freak athlete. But uh, at the end of the games, you should have – you want an alpha guy, someone like a Jimmy Butler to tell the coach, like, shut up, I'm defending the best dude. And whether or not that's a coaching decision, even if the coach says, no, you're not, that's the type of attitude you want from your best players. If you consider yourself a top five, top ten player in the world at the moment, I would want it to come out after the fact that AD told Vogel, hey, I'm defending Jimmy, not not necessarily the other way around. It's cool either way. It uh, makes Frank look like a good coach, but uh, a dude like Giannis, a guy like LeBron, as he showed us in the last round saying, I got Jamal Murray these last couple of possessions. You'd want to see that from Giannis in the last round or two rounds ago versus the Heat, but – um. Evidently, we clearly didn't, and uh, Jimmy Butler's in the finals, and Giannis was done in five. Yeah, exactly. You want your star player to be the guy saying, if we lose, it's on me on both ends. You know, I'm going to guard the best guy. I'm going to score the buckets when we need it. And we saw AD take that step in defending Jimmy Butler in this game. Yeah, you got to like it. I mean, first two games, he looked like he was a quote-unquote clear-cut for finals MVP. Um, big dud in game three, partially because of the fouls. And statistically, you know, you only get five or six games, as we predicted, to uh, get those stats to where you want them to be. So um, moving forward, it's kind of looking like LeBron's going to grab that next finals MVP. You know, he is the guy who's statistically playing the best on the better team right now. Um, but which way do you think you could see it going in terms of uh, finals MVP now? I think at this point I'm leaning towards LeBron. I I can't wait to see game five. What's giving me pause is just the turnovers for LeBron. You know, I know he's the point guard most of the time. I know he's got the ball in his hands the most. But six turnovers game four, eight turnovers in game three, that's – you know, that's not really finals MVP type stuff. But when you factor in that, you know, AD had that rough game three, I think it's going to come down to who has the more impressive game five because I, I predict them to win that game five and close up the series. Yeah, I think uh, – I guess it would be our first to 40, right? Uh, if someone scores 40 points again in game five, they'll probably uh, win finals MVP because – yeah, LeBron in those turnovers, that's significant. I mean, 14 turnovers in two games, that's super uncommon for LeBron James. Um, you'd expect to see that maybe in a five- or six-game full series. But uh, he's doing it versus Heat defense that's getting in the lanes, long, athletic, scrappy defensively. 
Um, even though AD did play all or most of game four without any foul trouble, um, he played three more minutes than LeBron, but just looking at the basic stats, you know, LeBron outscored him, passed him, out-rebounded him too. So if we're looking at, you know, that superficial rebounds, assists, steals, block, maybe even field goal percentage, um, it's leaning towards LeBron. But uh, whatever happens in game five, if AD does something crazy like he did in uh, the first couple games, you know, gives us like a 40 and 10 performance, it'll restart the conversation. And uh, I mean, like you're saying, and I'm kind of agreeing, we'll know by Friday, late Friday, that uh, who wins the finals MVP and who wins the championship. 100%. So let's move on here. We're going to do, for this week's top five, I'm going to give you guys my top five players in the NBA. So here we go. I'm going to jump right before into you, it with number before five. You that, oh, before ahead, you start that, Tank, before you start that, Let's uh, set some set some uh, you know requirements. What is the terms? Top five right now. Top five players this season going into next season. Healthy, injured. Give us a little breakdown on what your top five means. So these are going to be top five players in the league for next year. Uh, as far as injuries, I'm going to try to project them as best I can, assuming. Everyone stays relatively healthy for next year. And it would be top five players I would want for all of next season. So regular season, playoffs, finals. All All right. Who would I want on my team? All right, let's hear it, Tank. All right, so let's start with with number five. For number five, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I actually have six guys on my list, technically. So five is a tie. I have a tie between Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Quick reaction says those are guys I would put in that top five, top seven range. So uh, no, no head scratchers here. I'm personally not a huge Steph fan, but I'm also just a huge sports fan. I could take a step back, saw what he did these last five years or so and what he's looking like going forward and could easily see him be an all NBA first team next year again. So, yeah, top five for him, top five for Giannis. That makes sense to me. Yeah, we have reigning two-time MVP in Giannis. We have Steph Curry, two-time MVP winner, best shooter ever. He missed almost all of this year, but it was with a broken hand. So I would think he'll be able to bounce back from that one pretty well. Giannis, you know, of course he's got back-to-back MVPs. Uh, the Greek Freak Defensive Player of the Year, but we saw what happened in the playoffs, and so I can't put him any higher than five for me right now. Moving on to number four, I have Kawhi Leonard, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, last year's Finals MVP. His season didn't go quite as well as they would have hoped, but his 2019-20 season, he averaged 27.7 rebounds, almost five assists. Uh, he shoots 88% from the line. He's, you know, maybe the best on-ball defender in the league still. You know, Mr. No, I, I agree. I'm interested to see who you have in your top three now. I'm, uh, I think I know which way you're going, and uh, I think we can have a conversation about this after we get all the way through. But uh, go ahead. Number three, I have 
now maybe my least favorite player in the league, but undeniably one of the best, Kevin Durant. Coming off an Achilles injury, he didn't play all of last year. But KD is the guy where if most of his career didn't overlap with LeBron's, we might be talking about him the same way we talk about LeBron. You know, 6'10", 6'11", can score from anywhere on the court, was developing a defensive game, you know, during his time with the Warriors. Maybe the best bucket I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I do recall uh, those last couple years with the Warriors um, as they were about to win their second with Kevin Durant. He had played a a lot of his minutes, a lot of minutes at four, actually. And uh, in terms of like PER, he was a top two small forward and a top two power forward. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of guessing where we're going with one and two, but I'll let you go with that. Yes, sir. So number two. We have Anthony Davis, 6'10", 6'11", like center, power forward, maybe could have been the defensive player of the year, playing well in these finals. There's not much to say about AD. He's just kind of becoming that guy. Absolutely, absolutely. And that means number one, yes, the Lakers have the best two players in the world Right now, in my opinion, number one, same place he's been basically since he's entered the league, LeBron, LeBron James. Okay. Well, I mean, anyone who yeah. watches any sort of basketball, um, I think LeBron James, you can just say his name, and uh, they're like, yes, that's LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, his resume is starting to – it's been speaking for itself. Uh, he's pretty clearly a top three player all time, no matter what your views are. You know, the king, the chosen one, call him what you want. Can't call him a scrub. Yeah, I uh, your top five, top asterisk with an honorable mention at five. Um, that's the way to do it. I uh, If I had to do mine, just roughly off of yours, I would probably uh, just simply switch AD and Kawhi right now. Um, Solely on the purpose of Kawhi has demonstrated he can get that far as the true alpha on his team. Um, Anthony Davis hasn't shown us that yet, but uh, I do believe next year we could see LeBron not regress, but voluntarily take a step back to let AD show he is a top two, top three player. Um, And you'll hear this argument with uh, those top three all-time players. It's not an insult to say you're two or four. Um, it's not an insult to say you're three or five. Um, those guys will any of those guys in that top five will tell you they're number one. Um, and that's kind of the tier they're in, right? Those elite, elite top five, top six players. Um, yeah, I would probably just simply switch AD and Kawhi and have LeBron, Kawhi, KD, AD, and then Steph slash Giannis. But a uh, good list, good reasoning, um, fun guy, and uh, the brow is also looking like a monster. And tomorrow, I believe. He'll be an NBA champ, which definitely helps his case. Yeah, with all that being said, the league is so talented right now that literally any of these guys could be the best player in the league next year. Yeah, they all have uh, MVP pedigree, MVP potential. Um, Their resumes speak for themselves, DPOY, et cetera, et cetera. I could see any of those six guys. uh, I could see five of those six guys all making up the all-NBA first team. That's what that list sounds like the last couple of years, honestly. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I um, yeah, not to get into it too much longer. Another guy in that uh secondary tier. If we were trying to talk about it, um, be interesting to see what the uh, consensus is looking like in a Giannis versus uh James Harden type debate. I mean, all the regular season accolades so far in their careers. Um, how big of a difference does the teammates they have and the coaching they have? But uh, they're about the same. I would put those guys real close to each other, and I'm excited to see what they uh, both do next year after uh, a off uh, postseason with some um, negative news coming out about them and attacks on their playing style, character, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm excited for next season because this one's wrapping up, and next season's starting sooner than ever. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, I think the reason I couldn't put James Harden in there, he's – Made the improvements on defense. We saw he had that crucial block against the Thunder in the playoffs. It's just, you know, Giannis has his playoff failures too, but James has been in, in the league longer and had more chances. And I think he's just had those mishaps on Absolutely. a bigger scale. So I Absolutely. couldn't put him there. Absolutely. I actually five. saw a random stat in response to some James Harden slander. I think it was yesterday. Um, since James Harden has uh, been the been with the Rockets, Every team except the Rockets has missed the playoffs at least once. So there is something for that consistency piece. That is true. Yeah, you can't can't undermine the value of the regular season. It does mean something. At the end of the day, I hate to say it, but that's those guys' jobs, and they only get paid Absolutely. for the regular season. Well, speaking so. of regular season, I think this would be a good time to transition into uh, changes in the regular season in the NFL. Most notably um, – the Titans and Steelers game was moved from week three to uh, both of those teams' bye weeks. How do you think going forward that the NFL is going to deal with COVID? Do you think the season can continue? Or do you think we're going to see major schedule shakeups coming up soon? I think it can continue, and I mostly think that it can continue because it will continue basically unless there's a major disaster where you have outbreaks on multiple teams a week and not just multiple, five or six probably would have to do it because there's so few games in the NFL. They want to get them all in or they want to get close to all of them in. And I think what's going to end up happening is they'll push the playoffs back or they'll push the Super Bowl back and they'll give themselves some cushion to – get those extra games in if they need to, or they could even do something like you only need a minimum of 14 games and then they go off winning percentage. But I don't see the NFL letting any of these. Yeah, no, I like the ideas you're saying. Um, And this is like almost a comparison between uh, how these leagues, NFL and NBA respect and listen to their NFL PA. Um, Chris Paul said, Hey, we need 35 days of a run up. We want some scrimmages. We want everyone isolated. And that came out in like early May, and we're like, "This, there's no way it's going to happen." A couple weeks later, now months later, we are a day before the last game, potentially the last game of the finals. But over on the NFL side, what you just said, um, intentional flexibility. It, one of the early suggestions, and the one that made the most sense to me, at least, was extend the season one week longer and build in an extra bye week for flexibility. Um, instead, they just took out the preseason games, which. To be honest, I mean, these first couple weeks, we've seen some teams play like preseason still. Uh, They definitely could have done more before the season to prepare for this. Um, 
I'm happy about the one major thing they did and kept all of the uh, your week two matchups. Their bye weeks were the same, which looked like they expect the issues mm-hmm. to pop up early in the season. Um, obviously, week three to week four is still early in the season. But, uh, yeah, m- missing some major players and having outbreaks amongst teams is going to change the integrity of some of these games. Um, did you, by chance, see the double header on Monday? Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of missing key players, the Patriots and the Chiefs played on Monday. No Cam Newton. Clearly, that hurt the Patriots. We saw what Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham are capable of, which was not much. Yeah. Go ahead. And even now, we have more positives on the Patriots. Probably their best player on the other side of the ball, Stefan Gilmore. He has now tested positive for the Patriots. And so you see a situation where they're maybe forced to play these games and they don't even have their, you know, maybe their two best players versus you see something with the Titans where their game gets postponed. They thought they were going to be able to open up facilities. Someone else tests positive. Facilities still closed. They might not play this week against the Bills. And you're thinking in terms of competitive integrity, the Patriots have controlled their outbreak for the most part, and they're in a sense getting punished for that, whereas a team like the Titans have this wider spread outbreak and their games just get pushed back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to that that uh, Chiefs-Patriots game, first of all, I know we were talking during that game, like, an average quarterback, I am actively saying Brian Hoyer and Sidham are below average quarterbacks right now. Andy Andy uh, Green, or not Andy Green, sorry about that. Um, Andy Dalton would have easily had uh, won that game if he was the – not easily have won. The score would have been closer. The Chiefs are that level of team. But when it's halftime and it's a bunch of field goals and you have a quarterback taking a sack when they could have taken a three – him just making some bad plays in the red zone to the point where you're like, this guy's been playing football for 15 plus years, has been in the NFL for about seven or eight now with the same team. Why? Or why is this man in the in the NFL right now? He hopped in from arguably the third in the depth in the depth uh, chart. I recall hearing Jared Sidham was going to be the um, starting quarterback. But you have a third string quarterback essentially playing in your hardest game of the season when you should have a former MVP playing who's not going to make those rookie mistakes and just take you out of field goal range in a crucial game this early in the season. So yeah, losing even just one player um, that's intense. And you said Stefan Gilmore is uh, their best defensive player um, until, until the next one's uh, called out. He is still the best defensive player in the league based off last year. <laughs> that's one you don't want to lose. <laughs> Aaron Donald. <clears throat> Depoys, Sorry, yes, yes. Something in my throat. The last three years of Depoy, yes. Yeah, some elite talent, not somebody you want to miss. Um, yeah, managing COVID going forward is going to be interesting. Seeing games move to day just so no one else has it's interesting. But uh, when you lose your starting quarterback, arguably the most important position uh, across all of sports, um, just take a starting quarterback out of a team two days, a day before they play, and say, uh, hey, figure it out. And it's not something that's easy to do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the Patriots, they almost didn't even 
know they didn't know whether they're gonna play until Monday morning. They had to wake up early Monday morning, I believe six a.m. And everyone come into the facility, get tested. Then once they were they got their test results back, they had to go to two different airports, one for players who had had close contact with Cam Newton, one for players who had not, fly in on two different planes, go to the hotel for just a couple hours, maybe take a nap, what have you, and then play a game at 7 p.m. I know for me, for almost any job I've had, I couldn't imagine starting at 6 a.m. and having to like be ready to do the hardest part of it at 7 p.m. and then let alone, you know, having to go out there and hit, tackle, compete against other grown men who have been sitting at home all day for three hours and you're not finishing until almost midnight if you count in media shower yeah it's it's interesting especially like you said that long of a time commitment um you don't know how how soon or how late they found out about it um i do know from other teams around the league it can be interesting um for example the saints had one player get a false positive which resulted in the whole team being woken up in the middle of the night all of the staff and everybody getting retested before being all right go back to bed but while they're sleeping you know they're they don't know if uh, the game's still happening or not in the morning. Um, obviously missing out on an hour, hour plus, however long it takes to go back to sleep uh, in the middle of your night isn't good for professional sports or really any job, but uh, definitely a sport where you need to be on point. And uh, it kind of showed in the Saints-Lions game, the Saints let the Lions slip up and uh, get out to a 14-0 lead. Luckily, you know, that's a team I'm going to focus on, but luckily the Saints made that comeback and uh, took care of business. But, that type of stuff, two, three hours before a game, let's say you get a false positive of your starting, both your tackles and your running back. That changes your game plan. That changes your lineups. That changes how everything's going to happen. It is rough for uh, competitive integrity to have one team functioning at 100% and another team functioning at 60% with missing players and people being losing sleep and all the other side effects of uh, coronavirus on this year's on this league year. So. Let's see what happens going forward. Yeah, from something I heard was that it simply doesn't matter as much that it's fair, as much that the games just get played. And yeah, I, rem- I remember saying before the season starts, it doesn't matter if the season starts. It matters if it finishes. So we don't want a season. 100%. Oh, sorry. So we don't want a season where we come out and the Chiefs are 6-0 and and that's the Super Bowl champ because they have the most wins. We don't want something like that to happen. It's real bad for the sport. Um, So let's hope we get this figured out and there is no major outbreaks and there is uh, more tighter restrictions and players are taking it more seriously, realizing that it could uh, cost them money and their jobs. 100%. And mostly, we just hope that we can stop the spread of coronavirus and, you know, we hope for the safety of everyone in the league as well as obviously everyone in the country during. You know, so these uh, tough times we'll start um, moving into the game predictions of the week. I'll run through them with us. Uh, I'll try to keep us in order starting with Thursday night, going to Monday night, um, Thursday night football. We got the bears and the bucks. What are your initial thoughts on that tank? 
Yeah, I think the Bucks are going to take this one. The Bears are three and one, but they're on their second quarterback already, uh, and the one they're starting is the only one that's lost a game. So <laughs> there's that. The Bucks are possibly the most balanced team in the NFL. They're definitely a top half defense, top ten defense, on the verge of that. And you know when you got Tom Brady. You're kind of always expected to win, especially the games you're supposed to win. I think yeah, I would say um, the the Bucks defense, just like last year, is actually significantly outperforming the offense. Um, Tom Brady's looked good. It's not that wasn't an unexpected thing to say going into Week Five. Um, you wouldn't you would expect a Tom Brady led team to you know be having a winning percentage all throughout the season and be above five hundred. He, he's played, you know, good for him uh, compared to most quarterbacks, you know, still considered great. Um, their defense is getting after it. The D-line looks amazing like it did last year. I know uh, Shaquille Barrett's having another good start to the season. Um, random fact, Tom Brady is 7-0 and on Thursday night football, the most wins by a quarterback and obviously undefeated on Thursday night. Uh, I would love to see a Bears win, but – the analyst in me says the Bucks are going to take this one in a very close one. I'm excited to watch this game soon. Um, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have even expected that Tom Brady had played seven Thursday night games, only because those tend to be the worst games yeah. of the week. <laughs> this one should be good, though. Yeah. I'm excited for it as well. Um, next game to look forward to, uh, Los Angeles Rams versus the Washington football team. What do you think? What are initial thoughts on that one? I've got the Rams in a pretty easy one. That's my team for anyone out there listening who doesn't know. Uh, Mostly for my man Cooper Cup, Samson, Abukam. Uh, They got Simba Webster either on the team or on the practice squad. And uh, Washington, they have moved from Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen. I don't think that's the answer at all. Um, Not that I wish for anyone to get hurt, but I think the most exciting part of this game would be if Kyle Allen maybe, I don't know, tweaks something very lightly just so he has to miss, has to come out of the game and not return and see if we get a shot at seeing what. Yeah, it's crazy um, regarding that quarterback change. Just keeping a pulse on it. I really, really respect Ron Rivera as a defensive coach and just a football mind. Um, having to go, having to see my team go against him for the last, what feels like 10 years. He's awesome. Uh, during their practice last week, everybody got reps throwing the ball, including their one practice squad um, quarterback, except Dwayne Haskins. So they must really think he's down right now. Um, wow. I personally believe what we're seeing happen, and this is just from, the front office standpoint, Ron Rivera knows he was brought in to make a change. He is allowed to let this team go two and 14 this year, go get a quarterback. He wants tanking for Trevor and uh restart. Um, obviously I think Washington loses this game um, solely because week two and week three, there was about seven to eight minutes left in the game. And the football team was down uh, by two possessions and they weren't calling timeouts. They didn't show any hustle. They were just ready to get out of the game. They were ready to go home and uh, get back to business and uh, 
rack up these losses and prove their draft position. So I agree. Rams, two possessions at least. Next game, and probably the game of the week, um, if it happens, the Bills-Titans. Battles of two undefeateds in the AFC. Um, a loss for either one of these teams really hurts that in-season goal of significantly, you know, getting the first seed and significantly increasing your chances of going to the Super Bowl. Um, I'll go first on this one. I have the Bills. I'm going to keep saying it till I see otherwise, that Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. That man is on fire. He's playing amazing. Um, Ten passing touchdowns, one interception. That really wasn't his faults. Passing over 70% still. Looking solid. Um, The addition of – I didn't realize he was there, but uh, Josh Norman, um, he played under their head coach in in Carolina when he was a D coordinator, DB coach, something like that. Um, he comes in first week, couple tackles, forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. That made a significant change in the game. I think they got the names and the pieces on the defense to uh, complement their their offense, even if they're playing average. Um, the offense just is playing at that level right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills as well. I think this will be one of their harder games. Obviously, the Bills played – the Jets and the Dolphins at the start of the season, and then the Rams, and that was a tough one. And then yes. the last game was the Raiders, correct? Yeah, so the Rams, after the Bills beat them, the Rams are the only team over 500 that they beat, the Raiders now being 2-2. Two and two. So this will definitely be a tough test for them, but I think, like you said, Josh Allen, he's looking like a potential MVP candidate. Singletary's look solid. The addition of Stefan Diggs has done wonders for the offense. And that Bills defense has kind of been underwhelming compared to what people expected. The offense has overshadowed them. So if that defense gets to where people thought they would be at the start of the year and the offense keeps on rolling, I don't see why the Bills don't take this one, especially with the Titans being rusty coming off of not being Absolutely. Rusty. Typically a bye week is a benefit, but a bye week leading into being unable to practice still and an unexpected bye week isn't necessarily a good thing. So, yeah, Bills, I think they get it. Um, the Titans have a chance. They got that. As a matter of fact, I'm Absolutely. just getting word here. Sorry to interrupt you. The Bills-Titans game has just been moved to 6 p.m. Eastern wow. on Tuesday as of now. So if the game is played, it will be Tuesday. I, I Tuesday made this joke to you uh, two days ago. I said I'm just excited for Wednesday night football to happen this year. So let's see how many of these games got to get moved for competitive in- integrity. Uh, that's that's awesome. I can't wait for some Tuesday night football. Uh, moving on. Yeah, if we keep on if we keep on like this, we might have an NFL schedule that looks more like oh, a I would basketball love that. schedule with games Players every day. Hate, but I would love it. Moving on, uh, game I want to look at a little bit, uh, AFC West battle, the Raiders and the Chiefs. Um, looking at this from an outlook, John Gruden's done a great job coaching the first half of the season, uh, getting those wins at home, being competitive this year. John Abrams has been able to play this year, and he looks like what he was touted to be coming out of the draft last year. Hard-hitting just running straight down the line, hitting folks, a strong safety. You want all that. Um, And then, you know, there's not much to be said on the other side. It's the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, a bad game for him is a great game for most quarterbacks. A good game for him is 
NFL history stuff, you know. Uh, when we get a chance to see Patrick Mahomes play against his division rivals, we've only seen him lose once in his career. So it's pretty easy to say I would expect the Chiefs to win this one pretty casually. Um, the Raiders still look like they have a chance at being a five through seven seed this year. But when you're in the division with the Chiefs, um, you could basically write your chances of winning the division and winning matchups with them as losses. So what are you thinking coming out of this one? Yeah, pretty simple for me. I'm going to pick the Chiefs in every single game this year. Uh, it pretty much doesn't matter. Unless Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, I'm going to pick the Chiefs probably every game for the next five years, if we're being honest. Uh, you know, him with Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, the defense is, is looking good enough. You only have to be so good when your offense is expected mm-hmm. to score 30 points every game. And I'm actually going to call this a lock, and I'll tell you why. I said that the Chiefs, I'm going to pick them every game that Patrick Mahomes is in. We saw he had that embrace with Stephon Gilmore, who we now know has tested positive for corona. And I will guarantee you this. If Patrick Mahomes tests positive and nobody else tests positive, we will not have a situation like what happened with the Patriots. That game will not be played. I don't care if Patrick Mahomes is the only player on either team who tests positive. That game will not be played. Yeah, Patrick Patrick Mahomes Mahomes is is easily one of those two or three guys you look at and you're like, that's the face of the franchise. We will do whatever it takes to to move it. Plus, if he tests positive, then moving it to a middle of the week, like a Wednesday, um, means he'll be the only one of the only two quarterbacks being watched. So in a way, it might benefit the NFL to move a Chiefs game. Um, until Patrick is healthy. or Yes, Patrick, not Pat. Mahomes is healthy. So Chiefs easily over the Raiders. Game happens as long as Pat Mahomes is playing, and as long as Pat Mahomes is playing, Tank is picking the Chiefs in perpetuity. I don't disagree with that till I see otherwise. Uh, Next game, next game I want to talk about. This is a really good one. I just decided to sandwich in some of these not-so-interesting games. Cardinals-Jets. Um, Cardinals started out 2-0, losing their last two versus what would be considered equal or lesser competition to them, losing to the Lions, definitely lesser. The Panthers are actually looking like they might be competing for a wild card spot as well this year. So I would say when they're playing a team like the Jets, who is uh, the worst team in the NFL right now outside of maybe the Giants, um, New York's not looking too hot as a, as a city right now. But uh, I think this should be an easy one. Kyler Murray gets back on track, passes for 300, goes for two scores. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, he gets back on track. The Jets just don't really offer up much resistance defensively um, to me. I believe they are one of the worst scoring defenses in the league right now, if not. If they're not the worst, they're definitely bottom five. They uh, aren't a team that you expect to win too many games. I'm hearing rumblings that we might see a – they might be a team to look for Trevor Lawrence. They're souring on Sam Darnold a little quicker than I would like from a franchise, but it's really hard to tell when your coach is Adam Gase, and he is probably relegated to at best an assistant position of uh, assistant position coach. He's not even a, necessarily a tight ends coach. He's the assistant tight ends coach in a perfect world to me. What do you think, Yeah, I I think that. The Cardinals take it pretty easily. 
the Jets, to me, are the worst team in football. They're bad on both sides of the ball. Um, we're going to see somebody's going to play for the Jets. It's not going to be Sam Darnold. He's out. Uh, he's hurt, but who knows if they're going to bring him back. Uh, Adam Gase couldn't coach Pop Warner football effectively, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, people were kind of backing off the hype that started the season with Kyler Murray MVP picks, but it's pretty clear that he's getting into that mid to upper tier of quarterbacks where most of the time, you know, he's not going to lose you a game. He might not always win you the game, but yeah, he's, he's one of those modern dynamic quarterbacks that we're seeing the league switch to. If uh, you can't run at least 10, 15% of the plays, you're almost considered outdated. I don't think any of the court, any of the league quarterbacks or good quarterbacks in even the last five years don't have some semblance of being able to run with maybe the exception of a uh, Dwayne Haskin, but uh, he's not the quarterback I'd consider good right now. Just got benched. So uh, moving on to our next game, Jags Texans. We can go through this one quickly. Um, at this point, if I don't think either of these teams are coming out of the AFC, uh, they both look so weak. The Texans just based off scheduling. Um, I don't think I don't see them going nine and three at worst. Their next twelve games under under Romeo Cornell, um, Bob got fired, which was long overdue. When you trade your best player for a second and a player in a quote unquote injured uh, injury prone player, that's kind of what you expect to see. Not a bunch of wins. Um, so Jags Texans, I got the Jags unfortunately, just because I have to pick a team. But who you got coming out of this game and why? Um, they're own four, but I'm gonna go with the Texans. I'm gonna give them the we'll call it a dead cat bounce with the firing of Bill O'Brien. They're gonna bring in Romeo Cornell, who's like 73, by the way. <laughs> and it, so, you know, hopefully the stress of having to coach this team doesn't get to him too much. But I, I guess the Texans off the strength of Deshaun Watson and rallying around their, the new head coach. Yeah. If, I mean, if a 74 year old can lead a country, I don't think a 73 year old's too out of hand when he's just coaching a football team in comparison. Can a 74 year old. Moving on to the Panthers and Falcons. <laughs> uh, two of my. Let's move on. <laughs> in a division. Um, I'll, I'll outright say this. The Falcons are my least favorite team and all of NFL. Um, no matter what happens in the recent history, I love watching the Falcons lose. Um, this is one of those rare times just in terms of scheduling and records. I do want to see the Falcons win. I want to see them think they have a chance to make it, maybe push off firing Dan Quinn for another couple of months or years because that man should have been let go probably last year or the year before. Um, I would like to see the Falcons win, but the Panthers genuinely look like the better team. I appreciate Teddy Bridgewater being, a, I guess, a good game manager. And he had a rushing touchdown last week, his first one since his knee injury. So all about black quarterbacks coming back from adversity and thriving. So I'd like to – I assume the Panthers would win. I want to see the Falcons win just to take some heat off the Panthers on the on the record side of being close to the Saints and Bucks. So uh, time for them to fall back a bit. But I expect the Panthers to come out and handle the Falcons. 
Yeah, I'm I'm going to pick the Falcons in this one just because they're 0-4. They got to win at least a couple games. They shouldn't be this bad. They, they're finding every single way to lose possible. So I'm going to say they pull out a close one. Maybe somewhere three to five. Yeah, points. they they had that hard bounce back last year where they started out real bad and rallied off like seven or eight wins in the second half, which I'd like to see again this year because it just hurts their draft position and they'll keep Dan Quinn employed and that's how it keeps the Falcons from winning the division. I'm big anti Falcons guys, big anti Falcons. Yeah. Uh, next, Dan Quinn has not been good since exactly. Kyle Moving there. on. Um, Bengals, Ravens. This can be a quick one. Division rivals, interesting. Um, Lamar Jackson bounced back tough after the loss to the Chiefs on that Monday night game. Um, he looks real good. He looks like he's ready to have another one of those big games, maybe 400-plus total yards for him. A um, couple touchdowns. It's a division game. These games are important. I kind of want to watch the game just for the matchup. I believe him and Joe Burrow are relatively close in age. So this is a matchup we could be seeing the next 8 to 12 years, and it could make for an interesting storyline to see how it starts. Um, but I think the Ravens take care of it. The Bengals, uh, they still need a few pieces before Joe Burrow can um, really flourish, but he is showing he has the pieces to be an NFL quarterback, obviously. Yeah, I think pretty easy game for the Ravens. Uh, Bengals, not good. Joe Burrow, he's looking good. Uh, I've actually been surprised that he's been able to be this productive since day one, even despite the record. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how much anyone expected from the Bengals. We knew they weren't going to be good. They have a terrible offensive line. Um, yeah, they're still a lot of pieces away, but their future looks – as bright as it could be being the Bengals. Yep. With Moving on to another game that uh, is a big one for certain areas of the country, the Battle of PA. we got the Eagles and Steelers. That's that's one of those interesting crosstown rival matchups. You know, we don't really talk about much because it only happens once every four years. Um, I think this will be a good one. This is one where the Eagles are coming off of a must-have win on Sunday Night Football. They're still only about, I think, half a game out of being in the lead for their division. The Steelers with Big Ben and that defense looks – they are a top three team in the AFC. They've demonstrated that pretty well so far. Um, coming off of a bye week where they, I believe, were still able to practice just because the Titans weren't, um, they're going to be refreshed, recovered, and ready to go. TJ Watts looking like an early depoy type candidate. He looks like he's probably, you know, a fringe top five, top ten pass rusher for sure. He – uh he looks like he's ready to take this defense to the next level. They look elite right now. And, um, yeah, I think they handle the Eagles pretty pretty well and early on. So what are you thinking, Tank? Yeah, I think I agree that Steelers defense is back to being elite, maybe the best in the NFL. Um, I think the Steelers get an early lead. Carson Wentz starts forcing some more. And you know, I'm, I'm going to predict a pick. I like that. that. Yeah, looking at it right now, um, the Steelers have to do the averages real fast, but they are the least in the league in rush yards, 2.7 yards per carry. They've only gave up one rush, t- rush touchdown. 
and haven't allowed a run over 20 yards, over 17 yards actually this year. Um, they're doing a great job on the ground. And uh, as long as that front seven can hold up and force Carson Wentz to pass, Carson Wentz is going to throw some interceptions this game. So I'm, I'm feeling that vibe right there with you. Not to mention that Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Yeah, it looks, looks good. better than a lot of people thought at the time. First for a play right now, player is amazing. Um, choo, choo, choo. Let's see, let's see. This one looks like a great game. Dolphins Niners. Uh, not much to say. Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking like he can go from being an above average to below average starter on any given week. Um, they competed well with the Eagle or with the Seahawks last week. But uh, Seahawks are the worst passing offense or passing defense in the league. Granted, they give up a lot of that in garbage time. They, he still didn't really air it out versus a team like that. Um, that plays an impact into it. I'm kind of just waiting for the Dolphins to say, okay, everything around Ryan Fitzpatrick looks solid enough. Let's put two in there and uh, start this next chapter. But they are being very safe with them. Um, if he wants any contention for rookie of the year, I think he's going to need at least a dozen starts. So. Um, Expect to see this one gets bad. I could see that Tua gets out there just a little bit this game if he's not named the starter going into next week or into their next game. Um, yeah, probably Niners pretty easy. They're really banged up, but I don't think the Dolphins are the caliber of a team or organization to compete with um, a 49ers team this week. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I've got the Niners – um, they're obviously still beat up, but when you have a system like Kyle Shanahan's, you got that good defensive front, you know, all those first round picks. Yeah, it's got to be the Niners. As far as the Dolphins are concerned, I, I'm ready to see Tua. I'm, I'm excited for that when it does happen. Um, I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in terms of his college career. I don't watch a ton of college football, but I know I sat and I watched that game against Georgia in the national title game when he came in at halftime, and that was one of the most insane things I've ever seen in all of sports. And it's hard to forget a performance like that. That kid's a winner. He's tough. Uh, that's a, a pretty bad injury, but I'm, yeah, we... I'm ready to see Tua when his time comes up. Yeah, he's in that same Until boat then, of uh, those I'm not three quarterbacks right at the beginning of the draft. I mean, Herbert's looked amazing. Um, Joe Burrow looks like he's going to have an amazing career. We're just excited to see Tua get out there and play. I want to see him come out and see what he does. He's one of those guys that has uh, is called a quote-unquote small quarterback, but I'm watching Kyler Murray you know, look like a good quarterback at his size. So that's – no longer something that's considered an issue with him. His small frame is something to consider regarding just simply the hip injury, um, you know, force on him. There's more protective rules for the quarterback in the NFL. So hopefully injuries aren't a thing for him. And uh, he comes in and he shoots off and uh, makes him think, okay, this is our guy for the next 10 plus years. Let's see what happens. Cause I'm excited to see him. What he did in college was awesome. Seeing what he can do in the pros would be the next step, obviously. Um, the last two games before we get into our primetime games, we'll talk about these ones. The first one real fast. we got the Giants and the Cowboys. Division rivalry in Dallas. 
The Jets or the Giants offense hasn't topped 300 yards yet. Daniel Jones is also being soured on. Um, I already said that the New York teams are probably the two worst in the league, even if their records aren't both 0 and 4. Um, they're playing like they're two and 14 caliber teams already. Um, meanwhile, the Cowboys offense is on record setting pace. I recently saw that Dak Prescott's on pace for like over 6,700 yards. He's not going to hit that. Obviously that's ridiculous, but I'm, I'd be willing to go to Vegas right now and say, this man's going to break the NFL passing yard record this year, even if they only win six games. Um, and in this division, six games, we'll probably get it done. Uh, I'll just pick the Cowboys. They have the better pieces, even for even playing such a broken down division rival. Yeah, uh, bounce back game for the Cowboys in terms of just getting a win. Obviously, yeah, the offense has been quote unquote explosive. Dax had a lot of yards. You know, they're playing from behind in every game. So you have to throw the ball a lot. I'm going to say 100 yards on the ground for Zeke. Defense forces two turnovers by Daniel. Ooh, 17, Jones. that's a big one. Cowboys I like that. Big win energy for a big D. Down in Dallas. All right. And our last non-primetime, you know, 10 or 130 time slot on the West Coast here. We got the Browns Colts. This was actually soon enough to look like it could be a banger. Um, they're both three and one. A uh, team that goes four and one after this point would be in a great spot going into that second, uh, third of the season. Um, so if I think uh, Cleveland comes out of a squeaker on this one um injuries in the backfield for this team might actually be one of those things where it benefits them a little bit um i think kareem hunt has better pass catching ability um and their third running back who came in and played last week averaged i want to say it was over seven yards a carry so him and kareem can take that bruising back role and kareem can eat a couple more of those passes i we talked about this in passing earlier but uh in the NFL, it's crazy how you can go from being a top five player to two years later. You're like, I didn't realize he was still in the league. And uh, Kareem Hunt, before his incident with the with what happened, um, he was on pace to be a top five running back as a rookie in the Chiefs offense. Um, right now, he is still one of those guys that we forget about, but he's still young and still able to play. Plays a great complement role, but we've also seen him in, as that primary back. And I think this is a good year for the Browns. So I think the Browns get this one. Um, it's an important one for that AFC race. So let's see what happens. What are you thinking? Colts, Browns, Phillip Rivers? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this one's tough because the Colts defense has looked really good so far this year. The Browns offense has been a little hit or miss. Uh, we saw him put up 49 points against the Cowboys, but the Cowboys have been terrible on defense. So this will be a big difference in terms of competition for them. Um, I think I'm going to roll with the Browns just because I think Baker's going to keep it going. They're going to get OBJ in more situations where he touches the ball and Baker doesn't have to mess it up. Uh, maybe they'll just have Jarvis Landry play quarterback half yeah. the time. That seemed to work pretty well. And, uh, yeah, if they continue to get OBJ the ball on easy plays and just let him do what yeah. he does, I think that's the secret to success for them. They don't have to worry about 
sending him on streaks down the, the field where Baker has to get him the ball, give him a reverse, give him you know a couple trick plays, some slants. How many times do we see it in New York where he catches Plenty, a seven yeah. yard slant and it's a touchdown? You know, so so don't overthink it. If they stick with that same game plan, which is the Browns, so who knows? Yeah, uh, I don't I remember what the number is exactly. Out, I do know they are leading the league as a team in rushing yards with over 200. Um, last week, OBJ did have about 75 rushing yards. So if they even consider him now a third down, a third option as a running back, and he gets three, four carries a game on top of his receptions, um, we can continue to see two like multi-score games out of Odell and uh, see what happens. Yeah, I think they should watch a lot of film on what the Rams do with Robert Woods. I think that's a pretty good thing to try to replicate in terms of how the Rams run all those, you know, lots of motion before snap, end rounds, fake end rounds, all that kind of stuff. But they constantly are getting Robert Woods the ball and Cooper Cup the ball in situations where it's short passes, they get open so, yep. field. And just let alterations athletes, to the West, athletes, old West Coast yeah. offense. Just get it out quick and keep the ball moving. I almost passed over this game just because it's not ulti- ultimately very interesting to me. Um, the Patriots and the Broncos, uh, just reading through some things. See, I thought what you did there oh, was no, no, it, no, it just no. got moved I, to Monday uh, night. I, I misread. To um, this game's interesting because – just reading this right now, the quarterback matchup could be Cam Newton versus Drew Locke or Brian Hoyer and Brett Ripien or Jared Siddham and Brett. So it could be ugly either way, regardless of who the Broncos start. Uh, Stephon Gilmore's not playing. I don't think that makes a huge difference. Neither of these quarterbacks are solid like that. Um, I think Jerry Judy has a good game, but uh, nothing that makes a big enough change. I expect to see a low-scoring defensive battle between these two coaches. Bill Belichick can hold the Chiefs to three points and a half. Um, I'm sure he could lead, uh, could uh, hold a Vic Fangio-led offense to less than a whole game if he had to. Um, I could see a a Patriots blowout, but it could be something crazy like twenty to three, seventeen to seven, and it won't look like on paper it's a blowout, but that's just the Patriots' way play defense when necessary and score enough to move on to the next week. Yeah, I got Patriots by either six or 10. Uh, I think regardless of what their personnel situation is going to be, you can't count out Bill Belichick. He's going to make the best game plan that anyone could make, especially on the defensive side. And then on offense, they're they're gonna run the ball, they're gonna chew the clock, and they're gonna let the Broncos make mistakes. They won't make mistakes. They're happy to settle for three because if you can score three every yep. time and your opponent and can Sunday score, night football you'll still win. Um, this was a good one. I'm sure three four weeks ago on paper this is gonna be a great matchup, but now it just looks like one of these two teams is on their way to uh. 13, 14, 15. Some places are saying 16 wins, and it's the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Vikings. Um, Russell Wilson is cooking. He is throwing more. He is throwing deep passes at an alarming rate. So is Kirk Cousins. Um, we're seeing Justin Jefferson pop off for the Vikings. Uh, over on the Seattle side, we're seeing all three of their 
wide receivers getting involved, including David Moore, who is a name we can't forget um, as a third option for an arid out team like the Seahawks are being right now. Um, Russell Wilson is actually undefeated six and zero versus the Vikings in his career, including the playoffs. I'm sure that I'm sure that doesn't have any uh, impact on this game, but the Seahawks playing at home is a is a good matchup, even without all their fans there. They are undefeated for a reason. I could see I see Seattle winning this one. Uh, I don't I see the Vikings statistically looking like they were in it the whole game, but anybody who's watching the game knew they were out of it pretty early. So. Expect big games from Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins. Expect a big, a nice loss for the Vikings. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Seahawks, they're going to keep the offense rolling. Russ is going to keep cooking. Um, they're going to jump out to an early lead. And then, like you said, the Vikings are going to, you know, pass in garbage time and make it look closer than it was. But. I suspect. Yep, no one cares if you're just 30 second pass off defense when you are undefeated. So I think that trend continues. Big game from Kirk. Still a loss. Monday night football. I love when the Saints play on Monday so I can watch Sunday with a lot more chill, a lot less back and forth implications of what's going to happen. Um, the Saints are hosting the Chargers on Monday night football in New Orleans. Uh, Justin Herbert's playing awesome. Um, losing Austin Eckler obviously hurts them a bit, but uh, Justin Herbert is looking good. He's one of those rookie quarterbacks that's playing like he'll be in the league for a minute. Uh, I got the Saints winning this one. Saints run defense was already one of the top 10, top seven run defenses this year. They've been a top like three run defense the last two years, and it definitely helps that uh, their number one running backs out, and the Saints are potentially getting back um, a defensive end and Marcus Davenport and obviously Michael Thomas might play this game. So having those two guys back can only help. Even if we only get Davenport back, I assume we will bottle up uh, the rookie quarterback and uh, sub sub starting talent running back that they'll be playing against the Saints. So um, got the Saints winning on Monday night, prime time, Drew Brees, all that good stuff. It's a it's a good position for him. It's a good position for the team to be in. So what are you thinking, Tank? All right, I, I have a quick question for you before I answer. What do you I think is think the it's about seventy percent? I would say it's higher to the point where if he had to play last week, like it's the Super Bowl, he probably would have. Um, he was upgrade. He participated in one, I think, one or two practices last week, and he's been um, upgraded from doubtful to questionable for Monday. An extra day recovery on a sprained ankle, solid. And I mean, it's been, it'll be a little over uh, four weeks since he sprained his ankle. So about a month off is a pretty solid time. If he plays, it'll, it'll be good. If he doesn't play, I still think, uh, I mean, last week demonstrated um, Manuel Sanders is getting that chemistry with Drew. That's needed. Trey Quan Smith's looking like a solid number two option to either of those guys. And uh, the running games, the running game is looking good offensively. So. 75, 70% Michael Thomas plays. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Saints win if Michael Thomas plays. If he doesn't play, I'm going to predict a crazy upset by the Chargers. 
like you said, Justin Herbert has looked really good. He put up 31 points. The team did last week. Um, I'm not sure the same. The, the, the team put there up was a pick 31 six in points. there early, so that's why I, mean, I against say the a team, good Buccaneers yes, yes. team. Yeah, I give you that. But you know, 31 points against a good team. The Saints haven't looked as good as people thought they would at the start of the season. I'm going to say Justin Herbert keeps taking steps forward. If if Michael Thomas doesn't play, I'm going to say the Chargers get the upset. Only because I'm not sure if Drew Brees can put up a large number of Yeah, and I'll play some double advocates to myself. The Chiefs are in a position where if they lose this game, their season's over. Like that's it's less of a question and more of a statement. Um, they wouldn't. They would be one of those teams who I'd already look at as out of battling for those one of those uh, wild card spots. And they play in the division where they still have to play. The, they have to play the Chiefs once more. So if they lose this game, somewhere in the back of my head, I'm already counting five losses for them. So this is one of those must win games and maybe a career starting milestone for Justin Herbert. So. I'll play a little. I'll play that with you. I think Justin Herbert does look real good. They still do have Keenan Allen, and the Saints DBs aren't crazy like that. Um, Marshawn Lattimore has not played up to what he's played last year or as elite as he played as a rookie. So um, look to see bounce-back games from uh, the Saints defensive backs, hopefully. But if not, I could see, uh, yeah, Justin Herbert stepping up and uh, handling it on primetime. So I hope not to. And I would pick against the Chargers, but it's a possibility any given Monday. So you do never know. Yeah, no. So yeah, you never know. Go ahead. So hey, you know, a great week of games. Oh, a lot of, uh, week five is when we start getting those playoff implications. Some seasons could be ended as early as this week. Um, turning point for the season, going into the next third of the season, and seeing what happens in terms of uh, COVID-related changes. So I'm excited for this week five to start. I'm excited for this Thursday night game to start in about an hour. Um, I'm ready to. I'm ready for a great week of football. Yes, sir. Hey, that has been episode three of the Sprinkly Sports Podcast. Thank you for Sprinkle, to, uh, excuse me, for joining me. Just as he does every week. If you listen on Spotify, follow. If you listen on, tell your friends. Make sure you're supporting or whatever the heck they do on there. Tell your friends to tell your friends. Out. This is.